thank you, teens and Miss Jen. Enjoyed uh, getting to sing along with you. And uh, thank you for each one who's had a part in the service. It was uh, kind of fun to see before, uh, before the service started. Um, Tanner's been practicing that song with us the last couple of Sundays. But uh, Tanner's usually behind the computer putting the stuff up on the screen. And uh, I was hoping I could uh, ask him to uh, come up and sing with us. And first thing I saw him and his dad doing, he was already ready to train his dad on the new program, as Pastor John mentioned. And uh, so Hot Rod's up there. I think they're switching right now. So Tanner's going to do double duty tonight. But Hot Rod, I don't think he missed a beat that entire service on a brand new program. First time he's ever run it. Appreciate Tanner being willing to be flexible and uh, just participate wherever needed. And uh, man, just, uh, I mean, Hot Rod, Joel's up there all the time. We got Brother Aiden behind the computer on the live stream tonight. And uh, brag on Michaela a little bit as well. She ran the uh, entire presentation for the adult cantata and didn't miss a beat. And uh, that was kind of a unique, that was this, the new program and kind of a unique use of it. And uh, I, I told her a couple things. I probably wouldn't have even had to have at all. She uh, just took off and ran with it and just did a great job. Some of these people, you don't see all the hard work behind the scenes, but uh, sometimes I get to be up there, and so I, I get to see the hard work that goes on. Appreciate everyone who works hard in, in front and behind the scenes. It's just been a good night. It's been a good day. Did you have a good Christmas? Now, I don't want to get too personal, but feel free to raise a hand if you'd be willing. I mean, it's just us, so if you'd be willing on some of these questions. Anybody's tree not up still? It already went down? Anybody like, I'm keeping it up until, like, January? February? Now, I've heard the idea. I've never done this, and I fear to repeat this too often in front of my wife because she loves Christmas trees. That's all I'm saying about you, sweetie, is that you love Christmas trees. But uh, I never run this stuff by her first. I probably should because it's never anything bad, but it sounds horrible at first. But uh, I've heard the idea that you just leave the tree up in the living room year-round. Christmas is over, you take the Christmas decorations off. Valentine's Day comes, you put hearts and stuff on it. July 4th, you put in bright fireworks kind of things on it. Now, I've never done that, but anybody like that idea? Every time I'm lugging the box with our Christmas tree up or down the stairs, I like that idea. But that's the only time I like it. Uh, everybody still eating leftovers from yesterday? Anybody that favorite leftover is gone and you're just ready for Christmas next year because that one thing is gone already? Uh, yeah, I understand. Uh, anybody, I don't, I don't mean to be personal. If the gift giver is in this room, please don't make eye contact. Anybody already returned a gift? You don't have to answer. Not yet. Oh, all right. This is why I talk about my, my dear sweet wife in public because it goes the other way. No, uh, I don't think that would be mine. Well, the one thing is, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, so some work there. But uh, I've loved the Christmas season. But tonight we're looking at a message entitled After Christmas Checklist. And I'll be honest, fits very well continuing Pastor John's message. And, and apparently, um, Brother Speck's uh, Sunday school message, I wasn't in his class to hear that. But uh, boy, when you're preaching and teaching on December 26th, you, you kind of pursue a vein of thought. You didn't steal my text, though. I, I appreciate that. Enjoyed the message this morning. And really goes right along very well with it. A lot of times we think of that Christmas checklist. Anybody relieved that the Christmas checklist is mostly done at least? Yeah, any uh, uh, ladies or guys done wrapping presents and glad for that? Guys, you were glad to be done with the reminders to buy her something maybe? I don't know. Well, we're looking at kind of your December 26th, your after Christmas, really your whole year round Christmas 
checklist. And what we're going to be looking at is the fact that we shouldn't let the reason fade in our hearts with the ending of the season. Just a simple way to put it, but an even simpler way. When I think of the great classic A Christmas Carol, I'll be honest, I know Charles Dickens wrote it. I believe I've read it cover to cover, short, short little novella there. That's a Muppets movie. It's not by Charles Dickens, in my mind. If you've never seen a Muppets Christmas Carol, break the rule, watch a Christmas movie after Christmas. A Muppets Christmas Carol is a good one. So when I think of anything from a Christmas Carol, it's the Muppets version. And so I want to quote Ebenezer Scrooge just for one moment. But when I do it, I'm not quoting Charles Dickens. I know he's the original one who wrote it. But I'm quoting the character on the movie of A Muppet's Christmas Carol. But Ebenezer Scrooge from that familiar story says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. Whether it was this morning's message or the specific things we'll look at tonight, I, I hope if, and I don't want to steal my, all of my thunder, but I hope if you've been sharing your faith more, witnessing more in December, that that'll continue. I hope if you've been more of a merry person, that that'll continue. I hope if you've been thinking about your Savior more, that that'll continue. I don't know that Ebenezer Scrooge, in the book or the movie, learned his lesson in a spiritual way, but I hope we will. I hope we won't let the Christmas season ending, eventually there, the, the manger scene going away, all of that, change our focus. So there's really no reason for it to. We'll get grumpy with people who do that in the world. It may be in December. They won't celebrate Christmas and they won't think about our Savior. And we do extra. But sometimes mainly in December. And I hope that won't fade with the ending of the season. For many of us, love for our Savior and service for Him, it's a bit easier. A bit more natural at Christmas. But we should be keeping our love constant throughout the year. Dylan did a great job reading from Revelation 2. Let me read just the first five verses one more time as we get into the message. But Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. We know, obviously, that's talking about Jesus. Verse 2. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. All good things so far. And thou hast tried them which saith they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Wonderful things up to this point. Notice verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. What they were doing was good, great, commendable even. I mean, Jesus himself commends this Ephesian church right there for doing those things. But the motive, the lack of first love, took something away from it. In fact, it really took the heart right out of it. So our goal, yes, should be to do these things. And we're going to be going through those, that kind of that list in the rest of the message to consider what they did, but also how we can do it with the right heart, with the right attitude, with the first love passion that I believe the church at Ephesus once had, but had let dwindle here. They might have felt like their toes got stepped on, and in a way they did, but if you're doing a lot of things well and you have one thing to work on, you know what you should do? <laughs> work on that one thing. They, they were given a pretty awesome opportunity to respond there. We'll say... 
that we are all about Jesus, the reason for the Christmas season, but our love so often fades after December 25th. And so often things shift back to normal in all the wrong ways. So tonight I want to pray, and then I want to just briefly look at four ways we can keep our first love, our passion for our Savior, all year round as we look at our after Christmas checklist. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Christmas. We've seen you work. We've seen you draw us close to you as we remember your birth and why you came as well. We've seen visitors come to uh, the children's program and the adult cantata and Christmas Sunday. We've seen your word go farther, uh, both here and uh, through the live stream and just through, I'm sure, personal witness and, and so many people being willing to invite people to church and just to, to focus more on you. We thank you that you are, as Sammy shared, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that you didn't change at midnight last night as we shifted officially past the Christmas season. But that we can stay close to you. We can draw closer to you. We can stay in love with you. Stay fired up for you all year round, every day of every year. And I pray that you'll help us to do that. I pray that you'll bless the message. May it be the very words you want me to share. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First of all, as we look at just four things, kind of on our after Christmas checklist. Our first love for our Savior will lead us to put relationship ahead of accomplishment. Now, as we'll see in the rest of the message, if we love Jesus, we're going to do things for him. If you love your, your husband or your wife, your kids, your friends, whatever, you're gonna, that's going to show up. Faith without works is dead. It's going to show up in our works and our actions. But we're going to focus more on the relationship, first of all, and that's going to drive what we do. Revelation 2.2 starts out, I know thy works. Again, really what Jesus is saying is, hey, I know what you're doing for me. That's not a criticism. I know you're doing something. You're working. You're doing. You're active. You're busy. This is a good thing. But without first love, accomplishment becomes the goal instead of God being the goal. One commentator said that it was more than 30 years before this that the church was, this church, the Ephesus church, Ephesian church, had been commended for its love. You can look in Ephesians chapter 1 about that. Most were second-generation generation Christians whose purity of doctrine and endurance in service were unquestioned. But they had abandoned that eagerness to please and devotion that characterized first love. Boy, a lot of times at Christmas, we remember that relationship is what matters more than accomplishment. We're more open to serving, helping, witnessing, participating, showing up. I hope we'll keep that going after Christmas. Honestly... Makes me a little sad every year to think. Yesterday, I'm sure some people gave very, very generous, even elaborate, expensive gifts to loved ones in place of the relationship that they've never bothered to develop, in place of themselves and in place of time. Boy, a well-thought-out, even elaborate, even expensive at times, gift can be a wonderful thing when that's coupled with the meaningful, deep relationship. But yesterday... You know it's true. I'm not saying it's true of anybody in here, but you know it's true. That sometimes that, that parent or that friend or whoever that, that's just kind of not been there, just not had that relationship with their loved ones the way they should, and they know it. So they had an extra zero in their budget for that gift and hope that that'll take the place, but it never can. Now, that child or that friend may have opened that gift up yesterday morning, and they may still be excited about the new whatever. But that gift, no matter what it is, no matter how expensive, can never replace relationship. And for us, it's so tempting 
to say, look what I'm doing for you, God. And I'm not saying don't do for God. Absolutely, and that'll come up more and more throughout the message. Do for God, but do it out of a love. Not trying to say, oh, I haven't developed this relationship, but I do this or this or this at church. You know, we can serve God without really developing a close relationship with him. I'll sadly admit I've tried it before. Some of the most miserable days in my Christian life right there. And some of the best days, I don't even know what I accomplished necessarily. It's not that I necessarily accomplished something bigger or better or whatever in my ministry with my works being bigger or whatever. But I'm walking hand in hand with my Savior, doing what I'm doing for him. I hope you've experienced that. I'm sure you have. I've been on both sides of that. Let's focus on that relationship. Let's never try to let the stuff of the Christian life dull our first love for our Savior. Without first love, labor, work for God gets measured by our standard, and we'll say things like, I think I've done enough. It gets measured that way instead of really a passion where we'll say, God, what can I give? What more can I do? What more would you like from me? I want to do it all. Revelation 2, 2, I know thy works and thy labor, or your effort. He, he knew they were working hard, but it was with an attitude. You can almost see the checklist. And I imagine many in that church, when they heard, read this letter for the first time, they're like, yep, check, we did that, check, we did that, we are working hard, check. Hey, we're great Christians. And they were distant from God. I think so often it's easy for us to get close to God at Christmas and then drift away. Or, again, it doesn't have to have anything to do with Christmas, but it's easy for us to think, yep, check, 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 did that. Got all the check marks. Must be doing a good job as a Christian, and now we've lost that first love. And you put it in terms of a marriage. I mean, it's almost like that walking down the aisle love. Now, I'll make fun of myself a little bit. My, my wife will say this is a negative thing. You can form your own opinion. But I've heard, I've heard that some husbands, moments before they get married, they'll look back the aisle and see their beloved coming and will break into tears. I didn't. So that's what I'm saying. You can decide. My wife would say that that's just, yeah, just, just not good. But uh, it's not like I cry all the time and didn't cry then. So, I mean, I was excited. I tell her I was happy. I wasn't sad. I didn't cry because I wasn't sad. But uh, anyway, you can decide whether that is a good thing or a bad thing. But you think of that that even overwhelmingly excited emotion of we're about to be married and falling in love and, and that first love. And you can think in a marriage how easy it is and in any relationship for that to drift to a checklist. Doesn't go very well. Imagine yesterday. Some of you hosted big dinners. Some of you had smaller just family time. Imagine it with all of the things on the checklist and none of the first love. And you give the greatest gifts, you cook the best meals, everybody's favorites, the stockings are stuffed with everybody's favorites, everything is in place. And you go through it like a robot. And here's your stuff, or there's your stuff, or I gave you the stuff, I cooked the meal, and I leave me alone, and there's no love. <laughs> Complete failure. But you can imagine, maybe you can't afford as big of, or you aren't much of a cook, I'm not, and so you didn't cook as much as, thankfully I didn't cook yesterday at all, <laughs> Jen made a wonderful meal for us, but you might not have as many of the fancy things to check off, but you've got that first love passion for your spouse or your kids or your, your relatives, it was probably a wonderful day. Some of the poorest homes yesterday probably had some of the best days. And for us, yes, we should work and we should labor and we should want to do big things for God, of course. Not because that is something to check off a list or pat ourselves on our back, but because we love our Savior that much. I hope you wanted to give your spouse, your children, all of that gift because you love them so much. 
And it's not a have to, it's a get to. It was becoming a checklist for the Ephesians. They were laboring, but it was without that first love. They were checking all the right boxes, but without the right heart relationship with their Savior. A lot of times at Christmas, we remember that what matters most can't be put on a checklist. So let's keep that in mind as we move through the rest of December and beyond. I'm reminded of a very rare situation I ran into as a teacher. Now, I taught math and science and English, and especially with grammar and math, I had the request for tutoring from some of my students and their parents. Uh, algebra just it wasn't their thing, and they just needed a little extra attention. And I loved it. I mean, one-on-one, -on -one, you can answer their questions. It was a great thing, and I've always enjoyed teaching as well as tutoring, and it's just been a wonderful thing. But one lady, her name's Kim, she wanted her son Josh tutored, not because he was struggling to pass, not because he was struggling to get by, to even make it with C's, let's just say, and I hate to throw out grades because everybody doing their best is what it's all about, no matter where that is, but Josh would get like the highest grades in the class. It was rare to see any grade of his be below a 98. I mean, that was a bad grade for Josh. And he came for tutoring. Not because he wasn't doing enough to get by, but he and his mom wanted him to do the very best that he could. And it paid off. He was able to go into some advanced classes and do all sorts of things. And uh, she cooked us some delicious dinners as well. But I will say this. If you ever get asked the question, do you like spicy food? Understand who it's coming from. Ooh, Miss Kim could cook some really spicy food. And she lives in South Carolina, but uh, Miss Kim had a whole different level of spice that uh, we had to negotiate our way through that. But I was so impressed. Only time I can remember where the star student, the A-plus student, wasn't satisfied to just get by with a good grade, a checklist. Uh, got it. Report card looks good. But wanted to learn as much as he could. I hope that'll mark our relationship with Jesus. That we won't be trying to get by saying, okay, I've done enough works, done enough accomplishments, done enough labor, I've done enough, I've worked enough. No, let's do more. I want as much as I can from my relationship. And so often it's not about doing more, but developing that relationship more. It might not be always about doing something up here or behind the scenes more. It might be just spending some time at your home in that prayer closet a little bit more, developing, deepening that relationship because I don't want to say I've done enough. I want to do more. I want to grow more in my relationship. Let's put, let's put relationship ahead of accomplishment. Next, first love for our Savior will lead us to always find more opportunities instead of things to get angry about. And there's a couple ways we could word that. But a lot of times, it's easier to witness and invite to church at Christmas, isn't it? And that's not a bad thing. That can be people that you've been sharing your faith with or inviting them to church all year, and they finally come in December. Or again, at Easter, or maybe a kid or a teen at Vacation Bible School. That can be a great thing. But the opportunities are there. Let's not miss them as we move past Christmas. I was aware of several visitors, some we even invited, that came to this program or that program, or maybe Christmas Sunday. Awesome, thrilling, exciting. Let's not let that fade. Revelation 2, 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. You ever get around people who are unsaved and act like it? I won't ask for anybody to respond to this. Please don't. But uh, anybody be around anybody yesterday that was unsaved and acted like it? They ever try your patience? 
Now, I'll be honest, this isn't the main point, but I'd rather be around unsaved people that act unsaved than saved people that act unsaved. There is that. But at the same time, it takes some patience to do the work God has for us. It takes some patience to not give up. It takes some patience to see an opportunity to share our faith, to witness, to invite to church. When they're probably going to say no for the 14th time, but they just might come. They're probably going to say no or even get mad if we're trying to share our faith, but maybe not. It takes patience. They were patient. They didn't give up. And I'm sure it wasn't just in evangelism, but in anything. If we genuinely love Jesus, we should genuinely want to tell everyone we can about him. A lot of times at Christmas, we'll get upset if a cashier wishes us a happy holidays instead of a Merry Christmas. Now, I try not to, because some of them, I mean, they might be a Christian, and they're not trying to be weird. It's just a Christmas and New Year's. There's plural holidays. They might be just saying a common expression. I always try to say Merry Christmas, because that's the main focus. But at the same time, it can be upsetting. No, you're, you're missing the point. And we'll want them to say Merry Christmas, and let's talk about Jesus. But do we see the need, or do we just get frustrated? What about in January? That same lost cashier needs Jesus. Just as much. They might not be saying happy holidays on your way out. They might not be giving a friendly greeting at all. And maybe you can give them a copy of Pastor John's message from this morning and help them to be a little merrier even after Christmas. But at the same time, the need is there. The opportunity is there. It's not always as easy or as obvious as it is at Christmas. That's why I love December. I've been talking to the teens about it all month, every chance I get, and reminding myself that people are more likely to come to church in December than almost any other time. So let's take advantage of that. But I wonder who might come here at the end of December, on into January, on into 2022. If we're willing to keep witnessing, keep sharing our faith, even when they're unsaved and act like it, and it takes a little bit of patience. Without first love, patience, it gives way to cold, rote routine, or even anger at what's not going our way or what seems like it's going wrong. This church in Ephesus was getting after it. They were getting busy, but they needed a heart change. We've worked hard at Christmas programs, so many involved in so many ways in the children's program and the adult program. And I'm sure many of us have invited people to these programs and to Christmas Sunday and maybe even church today. But do we do that the rest of the year? The story is told that one Sunday a lady was inviting children to come to Sunday school when she met a boy and asked him why he went so far past so many other Sunday schools to get to that one. There are plenty of others, she said, just as good. He said, they, they may be so good, but they're not so good for me. Why not, she asked. Because they love a fellow over there, he answered. How easy is it to reach people through love? Those who are successful in showing people love will be successful so often in winning them to Christ. Let's be willing to be so in love with our Savior that we share his love, allow it to flow through us to other people. But so often it's easy to fall into the traps of thinking that a lost person that acts like a lost person is too lost to ever get saved. It's not true. Some of the worst, as we would call them, the worst sinners, even though that's really all of us, were the ones that got saved before someone who had their act together a little more, humanly speaking, and they rejected Christ. It's also so easy to say, oh, okay, Christmas is done. I'll invite more at Easter. But I wonder what opportunities we'll be missing we don't patiently invite, patiently look for the opportunities. And then one thing that I both love and get concerned about, and it's definitely me as well, very much so, but 
it's easy to think, wow, at Vacation Bible School, we had a lot of kids, a lot of teens come, and a lot of them come every Wednesday, and that's exciting, and it is. But it's easy for me, and maybe for you as well, to think, well, as long as we've got a lot of people coming from the community, we're doing good. But I wonder how many adults would come if we'd invite them with the same enthusiasm we invite kids and teens to. And again, come right there. Uh, and we could say, oh, it's my job to work with teens. Well, I got parents. I do try. I do. But there's more I can do. Let's think of who might be here in January. If we'll just be willing to invite them. And we could say, oh, there aren't any opportunities. Uh, guys, any of you like me, your wife can say, go find this in the fridge. And you look for hours. No, it feels like it, maybe. But uh, you look for a long time. It's milk or something big. It's a gallon of milk, for crying out loud. And the milk goes there, and it's there, and you just don't see it. And you convince yourself that it's not there. And you could be staring right at it. You're never going to grab the milk. It's not there. You go say, uh, dear, I looked for it. I looked and looked. I promise it's not there. Guys, how long does it take her to find it? Two seconds, half a second. She knows where it is before she even opens the fridge, and she's right. Yeah, uh, I've been there. It's amazing to me. If I'm convinced that I'm right, she's wrong, that it's not there, that we're out of milk, and I know it's not there, and then I look for it, I don't find it. It's funny, though. If you're looking for something that you know is there, maybe you can't find it right away, but you'll keep looking. <laughs> maybe you'll ask for some help. Uh, I'm just, I don't know why I'm so bad at finding things in a fridge. I just am. It's just part of being a guy, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it's a struggle. But boy, there's a difference in looking for something that you believe is there and looking for something you don't believe is there. Opportunities are around us, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, to share, to share our faith, to invite people to church. Yes, they are there a lot in December, and people are more open. At least they'll show it more open. People are friendlier so often, as Pastor John mentioned this morning. But the opportunities are there tomorrow, this next week, next month, next year, if we'll look for them. Let's look for inviting opportunities, evangelistic opportunities, just as much in January as we did in December. And I know of so many who invited so many in December, and that's awesome. But I know so often for me, it's almost like, whoo, it's January. Don't have to worry about that for now. Oh, Easter's coming up. I'll invite people then. I don't want to do that. Part of my after Christmas checklist, I hope it'll be part of yours, is to realize opportunities are there. Let's be willing to share our faith and do that. Convicting story, a tragic story, illustrates this point. A guy named Christopher was playing basketball with his friends back in 1998 when he was shot in the chest and a bullet perforated his aorta. His friends helped him get within 40 feet of the entrance to a hospital and then went inside and asked for help. Hospital staff refused to help him, saying that it was against the hospital's policies to administer aid to those outside the hospital. He's 40 feet away. He's a few parking spaces away. Eventually, a policeman was able to get a wheelchair and wheeled Christopher into the hospital, where he was helped by the hospital staff. It was too late, however, and Christopher died about an hour later. Many times it seems that churches are surrounded by people that desperately need to hear the gospel, yet Christians are content to share it only with those who manage to come inside the church. Or they say, only at Christmas, only at Easter, only at VBS. Let's always find the opportunities to tell others and genuinely, patiently help them to grow more like our Savior. Let's have that patience to look for the opportunities and to put up with some lost behavior from lost people. Let's let Jesus change them. Let's let them get to know our Savior. They accept him, they'll change. Jesus will change them. Next, for our, our first love for our Savior, it'll lead us to be wise about others, but also ourselves. 
Revelation 2, 2, the second half says, And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. These Ephesians could look at someone, they could say, hey, they're not, that shouldn't be a person that's leading in the church. Their, their actions, where they're at, that's not someone my kid's going to marry. They're, they're doing wrong. This isn't working. They were very discerning about the actions of others, but not their own hearts. Their own hearts had grown, grown so cold that Jesus calls them out for it. They need that first love passion. Yes, we should be able to look at people and say, yeah, maybe that person would make a good Sunday school teacher. Nope, not that person. Maybe that's someone that should be a close friend because they're, they're heading the right way. Or no way, I'm not spending a lot of time around those. Yes, we should have wisdom about others. But how about ourselves? We should be willing to take a look there. Oh, man, if they had only done that first, Jesus wouldn't have even had to call them out. There were churches in, in Revelation there that Jesus had nothing condemning to say about them because they were just nailing it. And that could have been the Ephesian church if they would have kept that first love, if they would have looked at their own hearts. The sad thing is, their first love was gone, and I don't think they noticed. And that's so easy for us. I hope you'd notice it in a marriage. I hope we'll notice it in our relationship with Jesus as well. I, they could have noticed. Now, I bet you they stepped up here after Jesus said this and then the letter was written and all. But without first love, wisdom becomes self-righteousness. Their hearts were cold and they didn't even realize it. It's so easy for us in a similar way. At Christmas, we'll get upset about uh, a store not playing Christmas music. We're so excited that they are. And while they're playing, finally, the world is playing Christian music, and then they go back to it in January, go back to whatever pop music or whatever they're playing in the store, and we'll get upset. But how about your car radio? Easy to get upset about them and not ourselves. Now, I picked music, Christmas music. I, I like Christmas music. Christmas is just so happy. I could listen to Christmas music all year round. Now, I can't watch Hallmark movies all year round. I have one or two, and I'm good. Plus, it's not good for my marriage because I keep saying, oh, I'll walk in five minutes in. I'll say, oh, he's going to marry her. Nope, he's from the big city, so he's out. He's the guy that's just going to be rejected, and I get myself in trouble. So I try not to watch too many. But at the same time, I, I pick music. It could be anything, and it's so easy to look outward, outward, outward and say, wow, they're not doing right, and there are places and times for that. But are we looking in our own hearts? And maybe it's nothing sinful, but is it our first love? It's possible, like the church of Ephesus, to be doing but not loving. And we can think of that with several different ways. We can think of the classic example of a child who obeys, but not really. Worst attitude ever. Okay, go clean your room. And they, making sure my kids don't think I'm talking to them. I don't want them to walk home. They're, they're, they're good. All right. But, uh, yeah, go clean their room. And the child eventually does clean their room. But they stomp all the way there, slam the door, muttering under their breath, and they clean the room. Yeah, I guess they're doing, but they're definitely not loving. They're not obeying. It could be like an adult who shows up to work, but puts in as little effort as possible. Getting by. It could be like Christians going through the motions of the Christian life and thinking that we're pleasing God, but lacking this first love for our Savior. If we want the world around us to change, and I hope you do, let's start by taking a look in the mirror spiritually ourselves. Often. Are we going through the motions, or are we passionate about living God's way? Do we have our first love for our Savior? Have we become content to be better than the lost or better than those people? Boy, the Ephesians could have looked here and said, yes, they're wrong. Oh, that guy says he's an apostle. We're not following him. He's not an apostle. That was good. 
but I wish they would have taken some time before Jesus had to even say this about them and reflected and said, wow, yeah, that's bad. He's saying he's an apostle. He, no, no, he's not. But my own heart has grown cold. If that's, your, if that's you, if that's me, let's notice now. Let's be wise about ourselves and others. And finally, first love for our Savior will lead us to be willing to sacrifice without complaining. Revelation 2, verse 3, describing them again, some great things. It says, and has born and has patience. It says patience twice. This was a patient people. They were doing some stuff well. And has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Guarantee you, they were working hard. They were sacrificing probably financially as well as just in every way. It says they hadn't fainted. That means they probably felt like it. They were giving up some stuff. And how many just yesterday would have been willing and maybe did sacrifice whatever it took for a good Christmas? I mean, financially, time, travel, many people. Again, people will work extra jobs just to be able to afford that present. People will do everything they can to get the whole family together and all sorts of stuff. No effort is too much. They, they might feel faint, but they're going to keep going. They'll sacrifice so much. Will we do that in January to help people learn more about Jesus? Will we do that right now to help ourselves grow closer to Jesus? A lot of times at Christmas, no sacrifice is too much. But so often, spiritually, maybe we'll sacrifice in December to invite, to witness, to remember our Savior. Maybe read more of our Bibles, get on a different reading plan. Uh, we do a, a tree in our living room, a little wood tree, in addition to the Christmas tree, where it's a countdown to Christmas, and the girls love it. For two reasons. One, they get candy every night, so they're excited about that. And then two, there's uh, Bible verses on every card that we read, and we remind them and ourselves of the true meaning of Christmas, and we'll, we'll make whatever time sacrifice we need to. But so often that gets turned off as soon as Christmas is done. You can picture uh, the image that I have in my head with this point of, uh, you ever see how fast the inflatables in someone's yard get deflated? On that switch, one switch, gets turned off. It's amusing to me. It's really fun to watch. The girls enjoy that. We keep thinking we need a Grinch next year. I don't know. I guess it's the, the youth pastor and youth pastor's wife, and uh, we've got young kids and all, but you may see a Grinch. I don't know. It's not because we, we like the Grinch at the end of the movie. He's happy and all of that, but we have some fun with that, but it's amazing. It'll go from being lifelike and inflated and, and doing the thing it's supposed to, showing off the, the Grinch or the snowman or the whatever, to deflate it with one switch. I hope that doesn't happen to us spiritually with one day. where That's all it takes. Let's be willing to sacrifice. Without first love, sacrifice becomes complaining. Without first love, labor becomes sulky, abrasive, and resentful. Maybe we keep doing, but we stop properly loving. Maybe we keep doing if we have to, but we're ready to faint because we no longer see the point of serving Jesus. It's hard to see the point in witnessing if everybody is saying no. But the point was never to save people. We can't do that. That's Jesus' job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to witness. It's never, wow, I'm, I'm doing these works and I'm getting honored or I'm doing these works and it's making a difference. That, that's not it. It's about our relationship with Jesus. Let's keep that focus and do it out of love. Many people comment that people are happier this time of year. There's no reason for that to be true of Christians. And if you need a great reminder of that, message this morning was a great reminder of that. We can make a difference all year round because we're Christmas happy in June or January or February. We're Christmas happy next month, whether there's four feet of snow and you hate that, or there's no snow and you hate that. 
Again, I, I want snow. I'll make it public. I want eight feet of snow tomorrow. It's not going to happen, but uh, that would be my wish. The church at Ephesus did a lot, but their love was in question. Let's be willing to live with that bold love every single day. One commentator says it this way. No matter how we examine this congregation at Ephesus, we would have to conclude that it was just about perfect. The one among the lampstands saw into their hearts, however, and he had a different diagnosis. This busy, separated, sacrificing church really suffered from heart trouble. They had abandoned their first love. And if that's where we find ourselves tonight, don't soothe your conscience by saying, yes, but I'm doing this and I'm doing that, or I gave this or I did that. Now take the time to get that relationship back to first love. And again, easy image of a marriage. If the first love, if the passion isn't there, the love isn't there, buying gifts, elaborate, mowing the lawn, you know, do, you know, doing the checklist, that'll help. Nothing can replace the relationship. Let's not let anything even try to soothe our consciences. If God shows us in any area that our first love isn't where it needs to be, let's allow God to reignite it. Let's be willing to sacrifice without complaining. I'll give you a couple of funny examples as we close of how much love for people and probably some commercialization of Christmas can do. Here's a few of the most expensive gifts apparently given here in 2021. Not to me, I will say. But uh, there was a London adventure advertised for $35,000. I believe that's per person. I would want to own London at that point. Thirty-five grand, and apparently that gift was given probably more than once. Uh, Thirty-five grand to tour London. I don't know how many times you can drive around the city, but uh, again, that's not me. But uh, you could get personalized dinnerware, and a trip to Portugal for the low, low price of $80,000. 80 grand, and apparently, as far as I know, it was given at least one time yesterday. But certain Hummer, a Barrett-Jackson EV Edition 1 Hummer, apparently given at least one of them given yesterday, $285,000. I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind driving it. That'd be fun. But $285,000 for the car. I'm with Pastor John. Maybe somebody's got a new car and they need new like seat covers. I'm more like that budget. That, that makes a lot more sense to me. But if love for humans can drive people to give such extravagant gifts, imagine what God will choose to do through us, way beyond financial giving, way more than just financial giving, if we keep our first love for him. That's what love and maybe greed and who knows what can do, humanly speaking, giving those gifts. But God will use our first love for him in some even more amazing ways. We fault the world for wrongly celebrating the season sometimes. Oh, they're celebrating the gifts and the, the, the tree and Santa and, and not remembering our Savior. But do we rightly celebrate the reason each day throughout the year? And if we don't, why should they? Now, we know they should, but we should be showing them the way. It's Revelation 2, 7, the first part. Jesus says, he that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So are you willing to hear? Are you willing to change? Have you lost your first love? In what areas, maybe, has your first love diminished? And if it has, any areas need to be worked on. Don't ever get defensive and say, oh, but God, I'm doing this for you and this and that. No, 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 no. Fix that issue. Doesn't mean those things are bad, but imagine what those works and the labor and the patience and all of that will be when you've got that first love passion flowing through you. Christmas may be over, and much of that work is probably done, but let's not miss the opportunity 
to take a look not only at what we are doing, but why we're doing it. Not only at our lifestyle, but also at our love. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love us. Your love never fails. It never changes. Can't do anything to make you love us more or love us less. You always have that first love for us. Thank you for a wonderful Christmas season. So many reminders here at our church and just throughout everywhere of you and how you came to earth to die on the cross, to rise again and to offer salvation to every one of us. And I pray that we'll keep your birth reflecting in our minds and our hearts even as we pass December 25th. But I pray that we'll have that first love for you. It takes effort. It takes work. You make it worth it every step of the way. I pray that we'll put in the time, make any sacrifice we need to for our own relationship with you and then to allow you to work through us to even see the lost come to know you, to even see Christians encouraged, whatever work you want to do. That it won't even be about the work. It'll be about you. Everything will be about. We love you so much that whatever you want for us, whatever you have for us to do, as long as we get to do it with you, that we'll be all about it. If our first love has diminished in any way, I pray that you'll reignite it, you'll rekindle it, you'll show us any changes we need to make that we'll put in the time. Thank you that you want us to have that close of a relationship with you, and I pray that you'll help us with it. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.